Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in my home with the other person who lives in my home, my wife, Sarah Scrimshaw. That's me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here in our home. Anytime. Many times. <laughs> Most of it. Sometimes you leave. I do. It's not cool, really, <laughs> in the way you go and make money and have fun. Mm. And then I'm just here alone. It's awful. <laughs> anyway. Welcome to our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see if we can paint a better portrait of our marriage as we continue in the podcast. Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> better. That's what our marriage is about is me leaving, says Sarah. <laughs> It's also called going to work. Going in, to work. I know. Going to work. Having parlance. fun. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we are going to record a very special episode of Obsessed. Uh, I asked Sarah to do this episode with me because this is one of those topics where I was like, ah, I got to find somebody to cover this topic because I love it so much. I got to find someone. And then I realized I, I'm the one who is too too obsessed to let this go. Uh, so I wanted to have a conversation with Sarah where she could ask me uh, some questions, I could ask her some questions, and then she will ask me the patented how obsessed are you questions. Our topic is Twin Peaks. Do, do, do. <laughs> Was that the uh, opening theme of Twin Peaks? No, not remotely. <laughs> <laughs> sounded a little bit like the, the beautiful bass lines in the opening theme song of Twin Peaks. Uh, I'm going to make a noise now. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Ooga, ooga. <laughs> That is the spoiler warning noise oh, that yes. I decided to make. Awuga, I like as a noise, but you know, I don't want to get too high pitched because that's obnoxious. So mm-hmm. I feel a nice deep awuga is good for a spoiler warning. Uh, and I want to let people know that we will be talking about Twin Peaks, uh, the entire series, and the movie Firewalk with Me in preparation for the new Twin Peaks that is coming out uh, on Sunday, May 21st, 2017. So if you haven't watched the original series and you want to be entirely spoiler free, pause this podcast. Watch the whole thing. It's only 30 episodes and then a two and a half hour movie. Then real quick, come back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> so that's my spoiler warning. We're good to go. Uh, all right. So I want to set the scene also for the podcast. Yeah. As we're recording, it's late at night. Mm-hmm. Nice, mysterious Twin Peaks time. That's right. We have a little bit of whiskey each. We do. Whiskey itself is not terribly celebrated in Twin Peaks. There is at least one actual shot of whiskey in the show Mm, yep but it is a show that is about taste and uh eating and drinking and uh sensual stuff like (laughs) centrally sipping on whiskey so i'll try to sip on my whiskey in a sensual way Uh, i think everybody looks forward to hearing that (laughs) listening to that it's a little late in the day for us to have you know the um the twin peaks coffee so yeah so we had to go for something else i could have put a splash of coffee in this and i probably should have remain thematically appropriate (laughs) anyway i want to get into twin peaks i want to start with asking you the question that i ask a lot of people at the beginning of the obsessed podcast is uh what was your initial um awareness of twin peaks now you didn't watch it when it was broadcast but you were aware of it i would say vaguely aware of it when it aired like, I don't know that I actually had any friends who were watching it. Maybe I did. But I certainly heard about it. And then as I got older, knew a lot of people who had watched it either when it was broadcast or maybe had brothers or sisters who had taped it off the TV or, you know, the various VHS versions that came out. And then as I've gotten older, I've had many friends, you included, my friend, hmm. my husband. <laughs> who I'm uh, your husband friend. <laughs> who it's had a big impact on. 
Okay. So now you did watch it with me. I did. Uh, I, in fact, watched it with you twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So you know it now. I've probably watched the show uh, in its entirety, I would say, at least 20 times for sure. Wow. Pro- probably more. Uh, but I want to see if you and I together can describe Twin Peaks for people who have never seen it before. What is Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks is a town, excuse me, a show. (laughs) Off to a great start. Did you just imply that Twin Peaks is real? (laughs) Well, I think that might be one of the first ways that actually I became aware of it is because I was at one of the places (laughs) where they filmed it. But that was a side note. Okay, where were you though? In Washington. You, but more specific, in the state of Washington. I can't tell you. You were in the woods I in Glastonbury in Grove. Um, I, I, don't, I don't remember now. I think it might have been near like where the lodge is. Because I, I moved to Washington. Around, I lived in Washington around that time. Where the hotel is, the Great Northern? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't the Great Northern that I saw, but somewhere near there. I think they're like, oh, over in that direction is where this is. Okay. And you're like, eh, I don't care about that. And you <laughs> didn't know that you would marry somebody who was obsessed with Twin Peaks. Yeah. So you're like, great. I was saving it to go on a trip with you. Aw, yeah. thank you. Okay. So, so back to the, um, the, description. the description. It is a not real so place. It's a not real place. But it's a TV show that takes place in this town that has a certain air to it where it feels like it's both a little mysterious and a little rosier and how things were like the cherry pie is extra good and the coffee is extra good but when things happen they're a little extra weird yeah and it's just like got that little bit of hyper hyper reality to it yeah i in love all aspects of it yeah absolutely i love the phrasing of mysterious but rosy <laughs> like a rosy <laughs> mysterious and yeah and i think you're capturing that there is that main theme of duality mm-hmm. it's called twin peaks it's not subtle <laughs> it's a main theme of duality but unlike other shows that wrestle with the good and the bad both the good and the bad are extremely good and extremely bad and extremely quirky and weird yeah and sometimes you don't know which one you're getting. So within that, so then you've got this FBI agent. No, no, we don't actually start with the FBI agent. Um, but you can see, <laughs> but why are you holding yourself back? I, that's not literally a spoiler holding that there's myself an FBI agent. So there's an FBI agent who gets called in to investigate a murder because a girl's body is found. And that's kind of how it all opens. Okay. And then there's an and ellipsis. Then- and the story the begins. Story begins. Yeah, see, I think that's a really great uh, description. It touches on the mood mm-hmm. and the theme and the main plot points. And I would argue the two main characters, Agent Cooper and mm-hmm. Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. And then I think what made it such a sensation when it was broadcast. Mm-hmm. The first season, the pilot and the first season were massively popular. And then it became less popular in the second season is that it was such a mashup of things that people were kind of familiar with. So it had that sense of familiarity, but was also strange and new. So I would describe it as a, it is a murder mystery, soap opera, procedural, supernatural crime (laughs) comedy, romantic comedy, and horror show. I think you have hit it on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to be able to write the uh, back of the box descriptions, (laughs) all of the Twin Peaks material. So I have a question for you. Did you watch the pilot when it aired? No. So I had this very interesting experience of Twin Peaks was it came on and I heard the sort of water cooler talk 
Uh, there wasn't an actual water cooler at high school, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I heard the kind of water cooler talk about it, and I saw Kyle McLaughlin on David Letterman. Uh huh. And I found out the season cliffhanger for uh, season one. Okay. But then I kept hearing that it's so weird. It's so weird. And I was starved for the weird because I was a weird, artsy kid. And I wanted to see anything that other people said. This isn't normal. This isn't just like a sitcom. Mm -hmm. This isn't all happy and friendly and predictable. This is weird. Uh, So what, what the ABC ended up doing, because it was so popular... When they're gearing up for the second season, they replayed the pilot and the first season, so it lined up with the start of the second season. Oh, cool. So I basically saw it uh, late in the summer. Okay. So that's when you saw it. So you saw it as it was being rebroadcast kind of for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of those things like other obsessions like Star Wars where a part of it is the experience. I have all these very visceral memories of the television show in the anticipation of the television show. And sometimes when I try to get uh, really calm and quiet and dreamy, like Twin Peaks, like one of the big sensory memories is we would tape the show mm-hmm. uh, on the old VHS. Cause that's what we had. Right. We didn't want to miss it. And it would, when we were first taping it in uh, summer in Minnesota in late August, it was hot. And the VHS tapes had this particular smell like a hot VHS tape <laughs> smells like something in the hot electronics of a VCR working yeah has this very distinct smell and sometimes when I'm watching Twin Peaks I can almost smell a hot VCR and it has that uh, air of of mystery and excitement wow yeah yeah uh, so I became like really 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 obsessed with it um, because I had never seen anything like it and because I felt like it spoke to a uh, a part of me is like a young, weird, artsy kid, especially you get into the uh, the third episode. And that's when Cooper has his famous dream, mm-hmm. with the little man from another place. And we first see the red room with the curtains and the zigzaggy floor. And uh, I think Mark Frost and David Lynch created the series together. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those iconic moments were David Lynch being an auteur and being this weird, I'm going to put on screen exactly what makes sense to me. And because it's so real and so personal and he has such faith in it, he's not trying to be weird. He's trying to do what his gut tells him to do mm-hmm. that it it resonates, even if you don't understand it. Yeah. And that was the first time that I saw somebody being like an auteur. Yeah. In a way that I understood. Like yeah. as an adult, I kind of considered George Lucas an auteur because he kind of did the same weird thing of like, I'm going to do things this way in Star Wars because I just have this instinct that it just it just should be. There mm-hmm. just should be murder bears. That's just all there is. You know, there should, you know. Yeah. Um, but I but I didn't see Star Wars that way then. And right. I was mostly just seeing really predictable sitcoms. So right. this combination of uh, romance and mystery and intrigue in a sense that there is there are deeper truths under this really uh, simple Americana that we're just supposed to accept as is. Yeah. And like just even seeing that dream sequence, like it made me feel better about going back to high school because I felt like everybody treats things so simply and they can't. Interesting. They don't even want to see or hear the music underneath. Yeah. You know, and like here's this show that's basically all about, well, here's the pretty face 
but there's always something underneath. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was both the 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 story and the telling of it and the the underneath as well as the the visual way that the story was told, like the auteurnish auteurishness as yeah. well as the actual story that yeah. both grabbed you in. Yeah, and like historically yeah. the uh the bringing of film directing styles of like I we're going to shoot this like a film. Like I think television, not that there wasn't great television, but it was produced, I think, without any of the uh, auteur ideas of film. Like, cameras didn't move a lot on television mm-hmm. before Twin Peaks. Production design was not as, like, it must be this way. I don't think, right. the, you know, the director of photography didn't have that sort of film level. We need it to look exactly like this. It's just like, you get your sets, you get your shots, you know, you, you do your main shot, you do, you know two cutaways for the two people talking and you got your TV show. Yeah. You know? Yep. yep. And Twin Peaks was so artsy from all the angles, all the close-ups, all the zoom-ins, all the, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so stylized. Yeah. Everything was so stylized. Yeah. So obviously I, I became super obsessed with it and I could go on and on and I perhaps will. Hmm. But I want to talk to you about your first viewing. So you were kind of, you were vaguely aware of it, but it yeah. wasn't a thing that you were going to make a priority. Yeah. To watch it. And, uh, then we got married, mm-hmm. and then uh, less than a year into our marriage, I was like, you're going to watch this. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we that was around the time that we exchanged television shows. Uh, we watched Twin Peaks, and then we watched Gilmore Girls, because you're like, hey, yep. here's the thing I like. Yep. Uh, and so was, it was time to exchange. Yeah, and it was a delightful <laughs> exchange, a wonderful exchange. Um, what did you think of it the first time that you watched it? I... <laughs> um. I probably don't remember all of it, but what the things that stuck with me, I remember really liking the first episode. Mm-hmm. And I think I knew like I knew some of the basics and I I really liked coming into that world. And I think the level of the darkness mm. maybe caught me by surprise a little bit. Right. Which I don't know why it would have from everything I had heard about it from my friends who had talked to me or talked to each other about it, even though I hadn't seen it. I don't know why it did catch me by surprise, but I think it did. So I remember kind of having like, oh, okay, just a little regroup. And then I was fine to keep watching the rest of it. But just that like, okay, just like Sarah, shift your filter a little bit of what this is. And how you're watching it, or yeah. not even how you're watching it, but how you're interpreting it, and and what your expectations of it are. Yeah, I think would be the clearest way to say it. Which is to me, that's a great thing in a TV show. Is it draws you in, and then it's like, oh, but, but wait, but wait, tilt your head three degrees, and now you see what it's really all about. Yeah. Um. So uh, I really liked that aspect of it. Yeah, and I think for me that was a great learning experience as a husband <laughs> and as a partner because I knew the show so well, and I was so eager to just basically. Uh, dump this thing that needed to be digested that I had spent years digesting and be like, why don't you just binge eat it real, real quick, real quick. And then we'll yeah. talk about all these ideas. And I didn't give you time really to process it. And it was a good uh, reminder for me. Like, that's a life lesson. Step back. <laughs> not everything, not everybody experiences things the way that you do. And mm-hmm. the time and the place is, it gives it all context. And I think you're right. Even though the show has... A, a consistent, for the most part, mysterious, eerie, quirky vibe to it. Mm-hmm. There are still times where you'll go a couple episodes and there won't be anything too supernatural, too scary, and you're watching a quirky soap opera 
with some comedy, with some investigation. And then there's absolute horror. Yeah. Out of the blue. And yeah. I and I had become blind to that because to me it was all a part of it. Like, well, this is like... Because you knew. This is a song. And like, yeah. oh, you listen to the whole song and this is where the symbol is going to crash. And it's yeah. going to be really alarming. And I just wasn't... I wasn't in the place to think of like, she's never heard that symbol crash before. She doesn't know it's coming. Yeah. yeah. She's going to be really alarmed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe I was very affected by Bob. Yes. The supernatural villain of the piece, Bob, who is super, super creepy. Yes. Super effective. I know many people when I was like, hey, I like Twin Peaks. And people would be like, yeah, I saw that one scene. I couldn't sleep for weeks and I'll never watch it again. Can we talk about something else now? Like, <laughs> it's a thing. It, it is a thing. And it's it's one of those things that it's amazing to me how terrifying that scene can be. Like, I just try not to think about that. Some of the, like, when you just see, like, one scene of, of Bob, this terrifying person kind of hiding at the end of the bed, like, that, I can just think of that and that will terrify me. Okay. I'm slightly terrified right now, just so you know. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. It's a perfect segue to my next uh, question. Oh, good. I wanted to ask, if you could hug any character from the show, which character would you hug and why? Because there are a lot of oh. lovable characters, a lot of likable oh, characters. that's a hard question. It's a vicious, cruel question. I'm There's a bad person. There's a few person. people I want to hug. Well, go down the list. Let's see. Well, Agent Cooper, of course, because... <laughs> Who wouldn't want to hug Agent Cooper? Yeah, you would be a monster if you didn't want yeah, to hug Agent yeah. Cooper. So, that was very judgmental of me, but yeah. There you so go. of course, Agent Cooper. Um, Audrey was okay. Nice. Was one of the next ones that I was thinking. Um, Big Ed. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> there's there's too much to unpack. Don't don't keep listing characters now. I want to know why you want to. I forgot about my other one. Uh, well, we can come back okay. to it. No. I want to know why you'd want to hug Audrey. I she just kind of jumped to my head. I think that there's something that throughout the show you start to see she has this very buttoned up vulnerability mm. that you see and then you see her button it up and then you see and you see her kind of you see the the vulnerability maturing if that makes sense. Yeah. And I just feel like especially there's certain times in there where you'd want to where I would want to give her a hug and not like and it's a it's going to be a K hug but maybe just more of a Hey, you're not alone. Hug. Oh, like I see you. Yeah. Yeah. And I hug you. Yeah, absolutely. Like in the beginning, I, throughout, I think she could kind of use just a, hey, I see you. You're there. Uh, maybe a side hug or a, a yeah. front hug. Any kind of hug. Whatever she would be comfortable <laughs> with. But I feel like, yeah. I think that's great. You want to side hug Audrey Horn. Yeah. I mean, I think Audrey is one of the great examples of what one of the things that I think gives a, the, the show weight is that. It is a very, on the surface, happy community. It's very peaceful and calm, allegedly. And mm-hmm. all this dark stuff is going on underneath. But a lot of the individual characters are in pain. And everyone seems to have this intuitive sense in town that other people are in pain, but they don't always reach out. And Audrey's a great example of that, where her father has always given a lot of attention to Laura. Uh, and she's locks into Agent Cooper when he first comes to town, Audrey Cooper, or Audrey Cooper, Audrey Horn locks into Agent Cooper. Yeah. Because here's a new person who could maybe see me and yeah. value me. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense if you like to hug her. Now, Big Ed, <laughs> Big Ed, uh, he works at Big Ed's gas farm. He owns Big Ed's gas farm and he wears a lot of flannel. You just want to hug a nice man wearing flannel? Is that what this is about? I think so. I think pretty much. Also, I said Big Ed because I would want to hug Big Ed. I don't necessarily have a lot of reason for that because I was trying to get back to um, 
I knew that there's another one in my brain that I couldn't think of, and so I was saying Big Ed. Okay. Because Lucy is the other one that I would oh, want to. Oh, yeah. And Lucy Moran is the uh, the uh, receptionist slash dispatch operator at the police at the sheriff's station, and. I, honestly, I kind of want to hug her and Andy together. Uh, Andy being uh, Deputy Andy, yeah. who is her um, most of the time boyfriend. But there's, there's, it's a soap opera, so we yeah. have to have some questions there. But I feel like you know, like a big like three way hug, <laughs> a big three way quirky hug. Yep. They, yeah, Lucy and Andy yeah. hold down the quirky. In they Twin do Peaks really, really well. They do. But as I say this out loud, this has helped me, and I, f- I have to choose one. With the, you know, of course, everybody wants to hug Agent Cooper. I'm going to say Audrey. Okay. I think that's good. Yeah. How uh, about may- you? Maybe we can all hug together because I'm hugging Cooper for <laughs> sure. For sure. No doubt about it. I mean, other people probably need a hug more because I think Agent Cooper is a little bit more. Uh, uh, he, I don't know if he needs the hug as much. Oh, he needs a hug. <laughs> I want him to hug. Yeah. I mean, he certainly needs to hug toward the end of the series. He has uh, more things shake his, his core beliefs, his foundation. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, like. Everything I described about the show is uh, of why I loved it is all true. But Agent Cooper was a huge part of that, of that, this example of someone who demonstrates all these traditional masculine traits. Mm-hmm. And especially at the time, I didn't, I felt such pressure for all of the stereotypical masculine things that I was not achieving. Yeah. Of being physically strong and being good at sports. And you should try to have his sex with as many women as possible. And, you know, mm-hmm. all of these sort of uh, very, uh, what I, I think and hope are now becoming more outdated versions of masculinity. Cooper demonstrated some of them. He was really charming mm-hmm. and he had uh, wit and he was good with the ladies. Uh, he was this great expert marksman. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a profession that he was at the top of his game at. So he had all of these things that I feel like society was saying, you must be this. But then also, he was intuitive, he was sensitive, he was kind, mm-hmm. he expressed physical intimacy to other men mm-hmm. in things as dumb and stupid as there's the random little scene in the first uh, season where he's having a meeting with Sheriff Truman, and they have this great, what people would probably jokingly call a bromance now, and at the end of this meeting about which murder suspect they're going to investigate next, you know, he just reaches up and grabs... Truman's nose and goes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and like, I don't think I even registered how much that was like, oh, I'm seeing behavior that is a, a fully rounded masculine figure. Yeah. That has all of these dis- different aspects. And then just things like I'd never seen on television before that I, I felt like reflected me. And this is dumb, but like, there's a scene also where he comes in and he rattles off a bunch of stuff they're going to do that day to Truman. And then he says, I really need to urinate. <laughs> and I have a tiny bladder. And I was always like uh, aware of like, I need to time things because if I'm out with friends, they're going to make fun of me if I have to urinate too much because I just have a tiny bladder. It mm-hmm. runs in my family. That's, you know, the Scrimshaw curse. <laughs> uh, and I'd never seen like a character, a cool character, yeah. the main character, the guy everybody likes. Be like, yeah, I drink too much coffee and I have to urinate too. What? No big deal. Yeah, yeah. and the, he's so matter-of-fact about it. He's not like, going to make something of it. He's just like, yep. Yeah, because he's like on this higher plane of intellectual. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah. So, you know, there's m- many, many more layers to Cooper that I've come to appreciate over the years. But I think that example of somebody who is uh, intelligent and kind and sensitive and none of those things are bad. Yeah. They yeah. only make him stronger. 
Yeah. Oh, I can, I can very much see how he would be a, a role model to, to look up to, or just kind of to see that kind of a character on TV when you haven't seen that before. And that was a thing that was really interesting to me uh, when I did first watch Trink Peaks with you mm-hmm. as my, at the time, relatively new husband, because I could see, I was like, oh, this, there are a lot of things <laughs> that just really made sense. And I could see how he would totally be somebody that you would relate to. And perhaps, you know, I didn't know you before you had watched Twin Peaks, but things that perhaps had influenced you. And it just, it was really interesting to see, to get that glimpse uh, into my my partner's uh, forming of himself. Oh, I'm glad that we could glimpse one another through yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, Um I also wanted to ask you about the music in Twin Peaks. Yeah. The music is such a huge factor. And a specific question inspired by Audrey, your hugging partner. <laughs> There's a scene where Audrey gets up and she's sort of overwhelmed by how dreamy the music is and just starts dancing in public. Mm, yeah. You are a dancer. Yeah. Can you imagine that ever happening to you where you hear music in public and you're at the right emotional place and you're so swept up in how dreamy or amazing the music is that you just have to dance then? I think I've probably done that. What? Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about in the same... I mean, because... She's in the lobby of the hotel, right? Uh, that no, that's at the, the Double R Diner. Oh, that's right. She's talking to Donna, and then she's like, um, "Bye, right. Felicia. I need to dance." <laughs> that's right. Um, I I feel like certainly when I was you know in high school or college, I was a little bit more like, "Whatever. These adults aren't paying attention to me because I'm just a kid," or you know, kind of in my own little world. That I probably have done that at times. I'm not even going to say probably. I'm going to say I have. Um, but whether I would do that now, now I'm probably more, uh, more shackled, more shackled, shyer about things like that. But I could see it would depend on the the place and the music. But yeah, so if you felt like you were surrounded by people you know, you were in a public place, but you're surrounded by friends, yeah, and no one else was dancing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, this is I ask this partially uh, because I'm just intrigued by the idea of sudden public dancing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll also, it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, it's not a test. <laughs> so like, look, by December, I expect to see some sudden public no, dancing from my partner. No, no, That's no. not what I'm saying. No deadlines. <laughs> no deadlines. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite. I don't think I would do sudden public dancing, but I want to. And that's is part of the reason I wanted to ask this. Mm-hmm. I think a part of Twin Peaks that is awesome is it does have... Through the music in particular, this dreaminess that like almost everybody's kind of like hearing this music or feeling this sort of, uh, the, it's the mystery of the woods, but it's also just being more connected to being sensual. Like, yeah. I think that's part of what all the coffee and the pie and the donuts in, is about is like of truly like just sinking your teeth into life. Yeah. And I, when I watch the show, I think that's one of the things that always speaks to me. And then I'm, and then I want to do that, but yeah. then there's just all like the normal rules of society, and I I can sit here like a hypocrite and ask you, but I'm not. If no one else was dancing, and a song, a dreamy song came on, and I was just at like a pizza place with people, I wouldn't stand up and dance, but I want to what be if the you kind were, of person who would. Do you feel like if you were in a place just with friends or where the other people weren't paying attention, that then you might? Do you feel like it's the... <laughs> like a go around the corner so nobody could see me? Well, no. Like, I mean, to me, there's a difference between, okay, you're in maybe a 
a closed environment because you're by your friends or you're in a restaurant or something versus, oh, I'm just walking down a street in downtown Los Angeles and it's lunch hour. I'm not going to break <laughs> in a dance because I'm going to be arrested. I might do it there because, I mean, <laughs> people are doing whatever they want in downtown Los Angeles. Okay, so we've got both uh, situations covered then between the two yeah. of us. Yeah. Perfect. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think if I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I think that's not necessarily what's going on in Twin Peaks. It's people are so moved by whatever rhythm of life they are hearing. Yeah, I I completely agree about the it's like all the senses are a little bit heightened. Yeah, especially senses of touch and taste and sensuality. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hugging. Hugging Hugging is powerful. Even a side (laughs) hug is powerful at Twin Peaks. Uh, I wanted to talk about donuts, pie, coffee. I think maybe part of the reason that you came to Twin Peaks being surprised by these sudden bouts of horrifying supernatural terror mm-hmm. is for the most part, people are like, remember Twin Peaks? Laura Palmer died, but then everyone drank coffee and had pie. And it, it is a part of the show. It's a big part of the show. But it's just sort of, uh, it's celebrated so loudly that because it's such a surface level. If you're yeah. just like an entertainment reporter... Who's like, hey, Twin Peaks is coming back. Can you write something and you've never seen it? You can just be like, hey, a bunch of weirdos are going to eat pie again. Yeah, I think I knew about the pie. The pie, you probably told me about the pie and the coffee. But I don't feel like that's what I had heard. Okay, so you were not aware. I mainly knew about Twin Peaks from people who are huge David, David Lynch fans. Okay. So it was more from that side of it. But that, but absolutely, because in terms of watching it, because you are watching it and you are going along and there's... You know, more donuts than this police department can eat in a week, brought in every single day. <laughs> and uh, then suddenly there's horrible, horrible, uh, psychologically terrifying things. Yeah. And donut waste. You're right. That does trouble me <laughs> on rewatches. There's some donut waste. Or maybe they eat them all. There aren't that many people who work at that sheriff's department. No, they're each eating like 16 donuts a day. Yeah. The owls are not what they seem because they're being (laughs) fed donuts every night by the sheriff's department. I think that's the actual truth. But I'm going to ask you, if you had to live without one of the three, donuts, pies, or coffee, which would you skip out on? Donuts. Okay. You'd let donuts go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because as you started to say donuts, I almost said, oh, I wish we had donuts for this podcast. <laughs> it's cruel to do a Twin Peaks podcast without donuts. It is. It is. But I, uh, yeah. How about you? Uh, if I had to live without one, you know, I this is monstrous because I tweet a lot about donuts, but I think I would let donuts go too. There is something, uh, I think, just more mm, extravagant and sensual about pie. Is that the weirdest or grossest thing I've ever said to call pie <laughs> extravagant, extravagant and sensual. No. Yeah. Coffee is just like, of course. I mean, it's yeah. it's a drug and I'm addicted to it. And I do not <laughs> care to break that addiction right now. Yeah. And I know how much you like cherry pie. So I do really like cherry pie. Yeah. I would have liked it regardless. Uh, but then it also feels like I'm eating my favorite show. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you about dreams because dreams are such a big part of twin peaks Mm -hmm. uh and particularly the idea that gets presented in the first season which is a real marriage of david lynch and mark frost the co-creators that david lynch created this uh dream of cooper's and Mm -hmm. from a very instinctual gut level got to read a lot of things about david lynch talking about it and when david lynch asked people about like the dream the red room what what happened? He's like, well, 
I needed to film an extra thing for the European release of the pilot, and I touched a hood of a car, and it was very warm. Like, that's always how David Lynch starts. When you ask him where he came up with an idea, where other people are like, well, I really felt this would uh, make Act 1 sing. Like, he's always like, well, I saw a bird defecate on a cheeseburger. And so, like, he's always, like, in the moment of where the idea was. Yeah. So the dream is coming from this... This uh, hot car. Yeah, this intuitive place. Yeah. And then Mark Frost was this experienced television writer. He had been on Hill Street Blues. He's clearly like, uh, he's a history guy. He's into Americana. He always mm-hmm. introduces little elements of the occult to the general Twin Peaks oeuvre. Um, so David Lynch presents the dream. And then Mark Frost came up with this idea of like, okay, so we presented that dream on the show. And then Cooper's reaction is going to be, it's a code. So we have the intuitive, and then we have oh, the cool. logical, where Mark Frost is like, and then let's move this forward in terms of that's a mystery to unlock. Oh, I didn't realize that was kind of the distribution. The of division of labor. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was like that's really decided cool. that way, but it's yeah. clearly the way it ended up being constructed. So I thought for fun, I could tell you a dream that I've had, and you can see if you can crack the code and tell me what my dream means. Okay. Does that sound okay. like fun? Yeah, Okay. I'm ready. So I think I told you about this dream because every once in a while I have a dream that does have this uh, clarity to it and this power to it where it sticks with me yeah, and where I remember it and has a little bit of a narrative to it. So a while back I had a dream uh, where George Lucas came to me Mm -hmm. and he offered to give me a lightsaber. Okay. And I told him I didn't want a lightsaber and I felt ashamed, but I thought I'm going to hurt myself. Okay. So as cool as it is to have a lightsaber... I'm never going to be a Jedi. I'm never going to use master lightsaber forms. I'm just going to hurt myself and others. <laughs> so thanks, but no thanks, George Lucas. And then he was like, oh, no, it's a, uh, you can just use it for stuff around the house. And he uh, ignited it, and he demonstrated how instead of opening a bottle of whiskey, you could just cut the top of a bottle of whiskey <laughs> off with a lightsaber. And then I woke up or else the dream left, and I can't remember where it went from there. Yeah. But that was like a cogent dream that I had. Right. Involving many things that I care about, yeah. including Star Wars, lightsabers, whiskeys, whiskeys, multiple, and fear. All of those things wrapped together in a dream. So what what did crack the code? What does my dream mean? So your dream is telling you that it's good to look a little deeper at your fears and perhaps which items you like they might be preventing you from accessing Mm. and also that some things you love maybe there's more to them like a lightsaber we think of because of all of its big giant properties yeah whoever sees a jedi use it as a bottle opener yeah we see it as a weapon but maybe it could be something more maybe it's practical Mm. so i think what your what your dream is maybe boiling down to is bear with me for a second while I get the right words here. I'm so ready you can to have bear. Some, you can make some, some mouth noises for me, some music. Except not that. Okay, uh, let, me, let me handle the mouth noises, okay, I guess. Okay, thank you, thank you. All right. <laughs> All right am I supposed it's, to start the yeah, mouth noises now? Yeah, you start the mo- mouth noises. I don't know what you're going to say, so I need to see the spirit of what you're saying before I start my mouth noises. It's a dream reveal. Any okay. sort of dream reveal mouth noises are appropriate. When you look into the deepest realms of your loves, you might find 
hidden solutions to your fears. Oh, that was nice. Hmm? That was nice. I think we just did Twin Peaks ASMR. (laughs) 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 And we nailed it. Uh, Yeah, that was great. Uh, I think it... uh, I I have been thinking about how much um, facing your fears is a clear theme of Twin Peaks, yeah, and a clear theme of Star Wars. And <laughs> George Lucas wears a lot of plaid, like a lot of the characters in Twin Peaks. So it you all know, comes together, right? All a perfect circle, as that's they say. right. A perfect pairing: Star Wars and Twin Peaks. Speaking of another perfect pairing, yes. I wanted to ask you because we exchanged television loves with Twin Peaks and Gilmore Girls. You and I also recorded a Gilmore Girls episode of Obsessed. Mm -hmm. Should there be a Twin Peaks Gilmore Girls crossover? Because they share some DNA. They're both quirky small towns. They They share a lot of actors. They are clearly the people who made uh, Gilmore Girls were fans of Twin Peaks. Yeah. So Um, should there be a crossover? I would love to see. Here's what I would love to see. Okay. Is an episode where Lorelai and Luke are sitting on the couch watching an episode of Twin Peaks. <laughs> Luke wouldn't like it at all, right? I, I love I would, Luke, but he would I hate know, Twin Peaks. But I would love it because at first he'd be like, Big Ed, yeah. Oh, he would love Big Ed, But yeah. then he'd be like, but Nadine and super strength and, you know, and, and like the mystery stuff, he'd be like, no, but I feel like, but there's more to Luke than, you know, he he'd want to think like, oh, but the lodges and the owls. So maybe, is there something? Do I need to keep watching? Am I, and I feel like Lorelai would be like throwing popcorn at the TV. Like what would be the phrases that she would have memorized to say to Twin Peaks? Oh yeah, like like she would have a call and response to it. Like she would know it really well. Yeah, that's that's the way that I would want to see it. Yeah, yeah, she would be yelling, there's a fish in the percolator. And then Luke would be like, (laughs) but but why did they don't even explain it? How does a a fish get in a percolator? How could that even happen? That makes no sense. Yeah. Do you know how many cups of coffee I've made? (laughs) Coffee is a huge connection there too. There we go. so I wanted to also ask you, because I'm going to begin every question that way, apparently. <laughs> there is this big picture idea. And now we're, we're getting into me being super obsessed with Twin Peaks. Here. Okay, we're ready. So I think that there are many interpretations of the weird clues of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. in the mythos of Twin Peaks. And it uh, gets complicated. And there's even some like plot contradictions between the series and Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. And there will be more as this uh, new series comes on, I think. <laughs> yes, there will. And added on to that, we have that when the show was picked up to be uh, rebroadcast on Bravo, okay. they asked David Lynch to write intros for every single episode of the series. So during the series, David Lynch had been a little bit of an absentee uh, co-parent at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wrote all of these intros with the log lady. Yes. Giving intros. So we get out of that David Lynch uh, sort of reasserting a little bit of uh, auteurness on every episode of Twin Peaks where he directs you how to interpret them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, And I went on to you about this in person in our normal Mm -hmm. human life because sometimes we talk without microphones. (laughs) It's insane, but it happens. Uh, There is a Log Lady intro in that I think clarifies to me like one of the big ideas of Twin Peaks where she basically says the natural world makes complete sense. It's just that we humans in our society and maybe in our technology have lost the ability to interpret it correctly, Mm. but everything means something 
Mm-hmm. And maybe it even means two things. And I think her line is even something like, "What what is the smell of a fresh strawberry? Mm, yeah. So there's so many things in Twin Peaks where they're they're weird, but they do m- clearly mean something. They're in Fire Walk with Me, creamed corn is clearly this weird analogy for the pain and suffering caused by mystical creatures. Yeah. Um, burnt engine oil. Yeah. Is this very mechanical thing? But that's what the horrible supernatural creature smells of. Mm-hmm. So every somebody else who smells that goes like, well, that's not burnt engine oil. That's the smell of Bob. Right. How do you guys not know that? <laughs> You've misinterpreted the world. Uh, we have the owls are not what this, they seem. In Fire Walk With Me, we even have the suggestion that electricity is different than what we think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, given all that, I wanted to ask you about some things in the world we could be misinterpreting. Yeah. So, assuming this whole Twin Peaks theory is true. Yes. And that so many things in our world actually mean something else. What do you think cheese actually means Oh, oh wow, that's a good one. I'm gonna say that cheese means um, any particular kind of cheese or cheese in general. Cheddar cheese. What does cheddar cheese mean? I'm gonna say that cheddar cheese means that there's a that there's a little portal opening nearby, <laughs> and through that portal is where um where we're going to be getting some new little caterpillars coming out they're going to make some new butterflies <laughs> so you think the taste of cheddar cheese is a message of transformation well you didn't say the taste you said what does cheese mean so okay well, that's what cheddar, cheddar cheese, cheese means the possibility of transformation I, I think but yeah specifically caterpillar into butterfly transformation yeah and or a portal is a opening, portal. but a, just a little small one, like one that a caterpillar would fit through. Okay, so but there there are tears other in the things, fabric of reality, but yeah. only big enough for caterpillars. Yeah, so maybe other things could fit through, maybe not. That's something that we've lost contact with. I don't okay. think we know. Okay, how about wine? You like wine a lot. I do. What does wine mean? Wine means... I was gonna say that grapes are dying, but that's a little—that's <laughs> a little literal. I, you know what? That's fine. I'm gonna leave it at that because I really like the idea of the giant appearing in our living room and saying, "It is happening again. The grapes are dying. The grapes are dying." <laughs> that is solid. I will think that every time I drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, this is Sarah Meyer, co-producer of this show, and by now you know just how much Joseph loves Twin Peaks, Um, but I'm sure you're also wondering how much your average pedestrian in L.A. loves Twin Peaks, or have they even heard of it, or seen it, or do they know what an owl is? Have you ever seen the show Twin Peaks? Um, no, but I heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't into Twin Peaks. No? Nope. I have not. You haven't? Yeah. Oh, in high school, I watched Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like it? Of course. Everybody likes Twin Peaks. Do you ever have really strange dreams that feel real? Uh, There's been a few times where it was like deja vu, and I'm just like, I think I I know what's going to happen next. Or there's been times where I will lose stuff, and I'm just like, where is it? What is it? And then I will have a dream, and in my dream, I know exactly where it is. And when I wake up, I check the place. I'm like, oh, my God, it's right there. And it's trippy. (laughs) And... Definitely, yes, I I do. My mother has more of those dreams, actually. She has a sister in Russia, and she lives in Sweden, so 
Sometimes she wakes up and she can feel when her sister is like not feeling well. The blank are not what they seem. The animals. The blank are not what they seem. The bosses. Every day, once a day, give yourself a... A time out. Give yourself a long, hard look out the window. <laughs> it's present. Agent Cooper says that. Do you remember? What do you think? Once a day, give yourself a present? I like that idea a lot. What'll that be today? Oh, gosh. How about a surfboard? Do you surf? Yeah. How many surfboards do you have? About eight. Give myself a present? Oh, my God. I would give myself the day off. Probably something really tasty, like some good food. Do you think you'll do that today now? Actually, yeah, I'm actually heading to McDonald's right now. <laughs> I don't like I had a tough day at class right now. I'm just like I need I need a little sugar rush right now. <laughs> We're gonna move on to our how obsessed are you questions, but in a fun twist. Sarah is going to ask me the how obsessed are you questions. Because I am obsessed with Twin Peaks. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, first question. Do you think about Twin Peaks every day? Yes. Uh, is that always or just right now while you're waiting for the new version to come out and there's billboards all over our Certainly town? right now. I think uh, it would wander into my mind, I think, more days than not for sure in the interim where, you know, it felt for so many years like it was a thing that happened. It will never happen again. Mm -hmm. At one point, David Lynch said, was asked in an interview, like, anything with Twin Peaks? And he said, it's dead as a doornail. <laughs> uh, so it was very much like, this is a thing I love that will never come back. This is all there is. But I have watched it so many times, and there are things that I like so much that there are, like, rhythms of certain lines that apply to day-to-day -day things. Yeah. Like, it, it, like there's, uh, in the second season, when Agent Cooper is giving Truman information about his adversary, Wyndham Earl. Yes. And he says... You don't know what he's capable of. You don't know. So like sometimes when I'm frustrated by something and I don't get it, I just have that rhythm of you don't know. <laughs> so like I feel like there are those things where it's like bored down into me. Yeah. Where just like rhythms of lines yeah. are stuck in my head. But then also I just think that deeper idea of there's something underneath mm -hmm. that we lie to ourselves at the surface level of things is what mm -hmm. it is. So I think I, I for sure think about those ideas every day. Every day. Yeah. Very good. Uh, if you found out that Dale Cooper was your brother, would you be happy or concerned? <laughs> I would be a mix. Interesting. I know, right? It's yeah. terrible. Uh, I would be thrilled. I recently reread the tie-in novel that came out uh, back in, I think, uh, 91, which is uh, called... Uh, my life, my tapes, colon, the autobiography of special agent uh, Dale Cooper. Mm -hmm. He has a brother in that, but his brother oh. just kind of just fucks off and leaves. Yeah. And he's not really in touch with his brother, which makes sense for Cooper because it seems like Cooper would have familial connections because he's a caring, loving person. Yeah. But he also seems like a loner who's trying to find his path. Yeah. So I think if, I, if he was my brother, if he were my brother, I would be thrilled. I would be it would be upsetting to try to live up to him mm -hmm. and also knowing that he has had a very tortured existence and that he like the other he's not from Twin Peaks but I think he shares uh stuff with people from Twin Peaks which is why he suddenly feels like this place makes sense yeah because I think like the denizens of Twin Peaks he has 
like you were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, he has the highs and the lows and not much in between. He has, Mm -hmm. he meets someone and he instantly falls in love with them and it's kismet and it sparks and it's everything. And then something horrible happens. Yes. So there's a part of me that would be like, I I don't, I don't want to go to Thanksgiving dinner with Dale (laughs) because something either amazing is going to happen or something horribly tragic is going to happen and nothing in between. Yeah. Yeah, plus if you feel like he has this relation where he does have familiar relations, but maybe he isn't close to them, and you have this affinity for him, if so if you find out now that he was your brother, yeah, I imagine that would be kind of heart-wrenching if it's like, he's your brother, but he's not going to spend any time with you, because that's just who he is. Oh, because he's just too much of a loner because you can't yeah. quite reach him? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the other things, I'd never thought about this, but talking about it and the whiskey have opened my mind. <laughs> Cooper is obsessive. He yeah. is yeah. Oh, definitely. focused. I've always just thought of him as a good FBI agent. But I think that's another thing that I related to him on is yeah. he is obsessively focused on his investigation. So I also wonder if we were brothers, if it would be that kind of sad thing of like, we can only truly relate if we're both obsessed on the same thing at the same time. Oh, oh, interesting. Like if we're both like, we're both really into this video game, so we'll play it together and that's our time together. Yeah. But like if we were both into different things we wouldn't really talk because we couldn't get yeah. over our own obsessions enough to listen to one another yeah i'm tortured i just want to yeah. hug him i don't need to be his brother i just want to hug him okay good answer <laughs> thank you for validating me <laughs> um if we renewed our vows would you want to have a twin peaks themed wedding ceremony wedding yeah same thing um I wouldn't mind including a reference, but not entirely themed. You are giving me powerful eyes. Oh, I was thinking about it uh, more carefully because there's a few things in in Twin Peaks that I wouldn't really want in a wedding ceremony. For sure. You know, like there's... Through the like, darkness of future past, the magician longs to see. Do you take this woman to be your... Bro- yeah, no. Yeah. Like, say, for example, like, oh, so here's a... A specific question about that. Would you want the Twin Peaks theme played at our wedding? No, because it is a mixture of beauty and horror. It's yeah. The, it's the duality. I mean, that that's the weird thing about Twin Peaks of that theme of duality. Like, that is a healthy thing. Like, oh, yeah. Twin Peaks offers the contrast of the theme of duality versus the theme of the circle. Mm-hmm. And like, the theme of duality is... Uh, the divided maybe maybe it's yin yang maybe it's in balance or maybe it's the two sides competing mm-hmm. whereas a circle is like feels more like natural it all flows together yeah uh and i feel like the theme kind of gets at that the theme is mournful almost yeah it's sad so no but uh there are, i think there are a couple of twin peaks tracks i'd be okay with okay that are just happy yeah yeah okay yeah. Interesting. But a Twin Peaks themed wedding, what would I be willing to do? Um, would some... you dress up as one of the characters? Oh, God, yes. Would I... you dress up as one of the characters other than Dale Cooper? <laughs> no, I was just thinking <laughs> of Dale Cooper because it would be really fun to have that trench coat on. The black suit and the trench coat and have everybody just think, like, he is on his way somewhere. As soon as this wedding is done, he's out of here. He's got places to be. He's got a trench coat on. I don't know if that's a good message at a wedding. Well, they, as soon as they this would is go done, together. He's out of here. Would you be willing for us both to dress as Dale Cooper at our mm. imaginary wedding renewal ceremony? We're yes. both in black suits and trench coats. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I would be willing to nod to Twin Peaks in some way, but I wouldn't want to double down on it all the way because I think Twin Peaks is that promise of 
highs and lows. Yeah, there's going to be tragedy. There's going to be tragedy. Really terrifying tragedy. And maybe that is good to accept, but maybe not the level of tragedy presented by Twin Peaks. Yeah, and I feel like that's it's good to accept that it's part of life, but it doesn't have to be part of every single event. Like, I don't need every single day to have an amazing high and an amazing low. Yeah. And certainly at a wedding, you some certainly many weddings do have lows as well. Yeah. But you don't necessarily want to promise that as part of yeah. like the guest experience. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Almost every couple on Twin Peaks experiences a tragedy. The closest to just dealing with life is Lucy and Andy, and even they have an on again, off again relationship. Yeah. But many of them, even even when you're like, oh yeah, but the older people, like they like, nope. They have dysfunctional relationships. They have sudden surprises. They have, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of relationship tragedy, so. Yeah. A gentle tip of the hat to Twin Peaks. <laughs> not all in on the wedding ceremony. I, I think I'm okay with that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much. So if you could only watch the upcoming season of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. if we decorated our entire apartment <laughs> like the Black Lodge, so if it had red curtains, the zigzag floor... All of that, like everything had to be that. And that was the only way you could watch it. How would you convince me that that was what we needed to do? How would I convince you? Or would you be up for it? I I would absolutely be up for it. I assumed. As you know me, I am terrible. As obsessive as I am, I'm terrible on maintenance. I am terrible (laughs) on work that you do once and then you undo. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be good to combat my laziness. I would no problem with it. Uh, aesthetically uh-huh. i would love it aesthetically but you had what if you had to do the work if i had if you told me i won't watch twin peaks with you unless you go <laughs> buy red curtains you hang them up you get some like fake board to, to put out and you you paint the zigzags uh-huh. um yeah i would do that if you to- if you told me like this is a high stakes thing in my relationship i yeah. need you to commit more to your interests because <laughs> that's really a problem that i have um yeah yeah. yeah, I have no objection to sitting inside it. That's all I've wanted since I've seen Twin Peaks is I think that's part of that whole dreamy thing and that I was asking about Audrey dancing is like, I don't want the horror, but I want to be inside it. Yeah. I want to feel that feeling. How long do you think you could leave it up? Oh, oh. I could leave it up for a long time. And <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I would put it up to like just for the opening party and then I'd be like, but what? you know, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice why I take it down. <laughs> I I have drawn and painted the Red Room many times because Fire Walk With Me came out right before I went into college to get my visual arts degree, and I drew and painted stuff related to Twin Peaks a lot. Okay, so you're ready. I am ready. <laughs> if you need me to do it, I will. No, I believe I started by saying, how would you convince me? So, nope, oh, right. Nope, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good listener. Um. So... If there is a large bear holding a remote and preventing us from watching Twin Peaks, would you try to get the controller from the bear? Oh, of course. How would you do that? Uh, try so. It, so this is similar to like the. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, I ask this question, so I have my own baggage about this. <laughs> uh, so you're saying I'll ask you the kind of questions guests ask me. So the where is the bear? The bear is um, lounging on our floor. Okay, so it is Sunday, May 21st, 2017. Mm -hmm. The new season of Twin Peaks that I thought was impossible. Like I thought it was more likely that an angel would come down and grant me 
immortality then this would happen yes is about to be broadcast yes and then a bear appears takes the remote yes and the bear is cradling it in its big claws yeah i would try to channel dale cooper because cooper could handle it Mm -hmm. and cooper would have the instinct to be calm and intuitive so i think i would try to calmly listen to the bear i would watch its its chest i would try to breathe with the bear Mm-hmm. So I got into the same place as the bear, mm-hmm. and I would say to it in just the most open, empathetic way, I need that remote. And then I would just simply reach and take it. Yeah. And then if the bear mauled me, so be it. <laughs> I was a person of my convictions, <laughs> and I tried to see Twin Peaks. Well done. All right. All well right. done. Mm-hmm. All right. So say... uh you couldn't watch Twin Peaks without you or someone you love being punched in the crotch. Mm-hmm. Would you still watch Twin Peaks? Yeah. I mean, like I said before, I you've have asked been, this question I a ha- lot. I have asked this question a lot. And I have heard all of my guests barter with this question. <laughs> so Ask what's your barter? Clarifying questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely would because I do a first off. A, first off, number one, <laughs> all of the conditional things, uh, I would not give this to anybody else. I would take it myself. Okay. Because some people do take a person they love. Other people try to say, eh, give it to my uncle. <laughs> like, do you love your <laughs> uncle? Not really. Like, that's cheating. Um, yes, this I- this really is, uh, I'm not exaggerating at all. This is so important to me. Not only my love of the show, but that feeling of... Of, I think I grew up with a lot of things feeling like uh, you lose things and you you can't get them back. And that's just kind of the way of the world. Yeah. And I was thinking a lot about like well, when, Tweaks, Twin, when Twin Peaks ended, uh, Star Wars was dead for all intents and purposes. Right. In the early 90s. Um, the books were not, the books were starting to come out, but it wasn't like, the movies were dead. It wasn't the same. Yeah. The movies were dead and the world didn't care about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a huge fan of Guns N' Roses. And they were dead. Uh, Twin Peaks was gone. It's it just like so many things that I was just like, uh, well, that is the lesson that life is trying to tell young Joseph is, is if you love something, it will go <laughs> no. away forever. Yeah. So now we're living in this world where if it was popular, it comes back. If it was even vaguely popular, it's going to come back. Yeah. But there's been so many things of like, you and I went to a concert and we saw Axel and Slash from Guns N' Roses play yeah. together. Mark Hamill is not only going to play Luke Skywalker, he fucking follows me on Twitter. <laughs> and like Twin Peaks is one of the last like unbelievable losses that I've felt that and I don't, I don't mean obviously I don't mean to be overly melodramatic about it, but something that meant a lot to me that informed me yeah. uh, growing up as a human and as like an artistic person uh, that there I would do almost anything short of killing another person mm-hmm. to watch Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only barter that I want to have with it is I want it to be thematically appropriate. <laughs> I don't want just some rando punching me in the crotch. Okay. So. Is it a person? Is it a, that you want to punch you in the crotch? I think I want the little man from another place oh. portrayed by Michael J. Anderson mm-hmm. to dance up to me and punch me in the crotch. I like that. I mean, I don't like that, but um, 
how how often is as you know are how you, often is it once per show is it once for the season it's once for a season and that's usually okay. what i offer other people so okay. you know and i'm going to take it for myself yeah smart yeah so once per season yeah and okay. if they bring it back or you know i i don't know i don't know what uh, mark frost and david lynch's intent is if this is like one and done we've wrapped it up we're yeah done. yeah or if it's like well if we have another di- idea we'll do it uh but i would certainly take I would take uh I would take up to three. I would take one for the first night. I would take one for the exact middle point, and I would take one for the finale. Is this with uh, say this is the last season? Yeah, is this what you're saying. The last thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. What if it were just to rewatch um the already broadcast episodes? As long as I could watch the whole thing. So if for it were one once bunch? for the first season and once for the second season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And absolutely. once for the movie. In once for the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I think okay. that's that's right. There's a rhythm to it. It's yeah. three. It's almost it's a circle. It is. A circle of crotch punches. <laughs> it's like it's your, beyond duality. Your coffee it's a circle. punch, your donut punch, and your cherry pie punch. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, if you had to make a noise to sum up Twin Peaks, could mm-hmm. you make that for me? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, oh, I can make so many noises. D- I, choose one. I'll, just one. All right. Uh, I am going to make. This noise. That's beautiful. That is, that's the wind in the, the trees. It's the wind in the Douglas firs. It's the wind yeah. in the Douglas firs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's also a little bit the water going over the waterfall. Yeah. So yeah, it's for like sure. a two in one. Yeah. It's a twofer. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to rate you, which is a, a lot of pressure because <laughs> yeah. you always rate other people's obsessions. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to rate your obsession. Yeah. And we're going to make it. Um, it's on a scale of one to seven. So one being the lowest. One to seven. Yep, exactly. One is the lowest. Seven is the highest. And we're going to do um, a scale of one to seven cherry pies. One to seven cherry pies. Fair enough. Fair enough. Massive, massive quantities. I'm going to rate you a six cherry pies. Six cherry pies. Yep. Just short of having an actual problem. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you love it. It informs your life. It inf- has informed who you are. Yeah. And uh, as your partner, I can attest to that. Uh, you're willing to do a lot of things like be mauled by a bear for it. Um, I didn't say I was willing to be mauled by a bear. <laughs> I thought I could talk my way around the bear. Ah, but you also said if the bear mauls me, so, so be, be it. it. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I was perhaps maybe a little bit more zen. I was trying to face the bear with perfect courage, the mm. way Hawk tells people to face the Black Lodge. Yeah. I was trying to face the bear Aww. with perfect courage so my soul is not shattered. Yeah, yeah. I think my rating's pretty accurate. <laughs> I think it is. Fair <laughs> enough. So we are going to do some quick plugs, and then we'll go on to our final questions. Thank you for asking me the how obsessed are you questions. Oh, my I pleasure. I appreciate it. And I try to be as honest as possible and as spontaneous as possible, even though I know some of these questions quite well. You surprised me with a few of them, though. So that was Yay. great. So, uh, Sarah, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on the Twitters at Sarah (laughs) underscore Scrimshaw. That's Sarah with no H underscore Scrimshaw. Yay. Yay. Excellent. And you're on Instagram as? I'm on Instagram as uh, Scrim Street. Yeah. So if you take Scrim as in Scrimshaw and just make it a street, then you're at Scrim Street. And if you like museums and alcohol, boy, is at Scrim Street on Instagram a place to go. Museums, gardens, and alcohol. That's what I post. (laughs) 
Here are quick plugs for this very show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and various comedy adventures, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episodes where Sarah and I talk about something that we're obsessed with in the moment or a fun adventure we had. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And this is new information about Patreon. I have played with the Patreon site so that our goals are now based on patron numbers instead of dollar numbers. We are working toward getting 125 total patrons. When we reach 125 total patrons, I will start paying my guests $25 for doing the podcast. It is not a lot of money, but maybe this will be the tiny revolution that changes the industry of podcasts where guests start getting paid. We will see. So if you are at all interested, go check that out at patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. All right. Are you ready for our final questions? I sure am. All right. Sarah, my wife. Yes, Joseph. My husband. If you could write a phrase on the moon and everyone could see it, what <laughs> phrase might you write? Okay. We're just going to have to back up a little bit. Okay. We can talk through the logistics, um, the physics. No. I'm not going to put graffiti on the moon. Are you Is it removable? Is it like I'm putting a post-it note, like a giant post-it note? Because I feel like this is a great answer. I don't feel like, I mean, you can go on. I'm not trying to stop you, but I feel like that's a great, honest answer. I think think people who aren't married to me feel obligated to play along with these (laughs) questions. And you're just like, fuck you, no. No. I get so mad when people etch things into like national monuments and it's the moon. The moon is a sort of international monument yeah 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 it's a monument uh that uh, celebrates that whatever comet probably hit the earth and separated the moon <laughs> from the earth right is that a true thing did i make that up you made that up mm, we'll ask scientists, we'll ask scientists. later that's right yeah, that should really be the subtitle <laughs> of Obsessed Podcast. Obsessed, we'll ask scientists later. Anyway, we'll move on to the next question and see if you feel like answering that. <laughs> if you could travel like electricity through wires, mm. where would you go? Oh, um, I would go, where would I go? I would go somewhere that has lots of really fun, colorful lights. Because, um, <laughs> ooh, you know where I would go? Like I would a go Christmas to the store. <laughs> yeah no i would go to the hollywood bowl oh. because they've got those big like um um big <laughs> lights that shine up in the sky and i could travel there and like see what it looks like both when it's full of people and then also would i still be a spark and i could see when oh, they turn off okay. all the lights and see, i could see what it looks like when it's dark i th- you are interpreting it much more creatively than i actually intended which is great oh. i thought it was like well you travel through electricity and you arrive somewhere fully formed but you're like Oh, you stay inside the electricity. Oh, yeah. Because I thought I, I was we live like a half a mile from the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> we don't need to travel through wires to get there. But I like your idea better that if you were going to remain a part of the electricity, yeah. where would you go? Yeah. Oh. I want to be the spotlights at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. That is a wonderful answer. The final question for everyone on the podcast, yeah. of course, is what is happiness? Happiness today because I've answered this question before. You have. Is 
<laughs> well, I had a different answer, but I'm going to say is being a light at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm very excited <laughs> about that idea. <laughs> so happiness is being a light blaring down on talented artists. In yeah. An outdoor stadium theater. Yeah. That's and, what happiness is. And then when the lights go off, you get to just enjoy the sky and the stars. Oh, it's very Twin Peaks. It's that duality of nature yeah. and our creations. It's weird flickering lights in the darkness of the Hollywood Bowl. That is happiness to you tonight. Mm-hmm. That is great. Maybe we'll come back after the whole Twin Peaks uh, new season is completed and have another discussion about Twin Peaks. I think we better. I would like that. Thank you uh, so much for doing the podcast with me. Thank you for being married to me. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. And thank you for asking me the how obsessed are you questions. It was nice to get that perspective from the other side. (laughs) And I'm going to say that is what is happiness to me because it's appropriate to the thematics of Twin Peaks. It's seeing what it's like from the other side. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So what do you think the secret meaning of squirrels might be? I think that squirrels are, they're like the communicators or the translators of the trees. Because the trees know that humans are hopeless and are not going to ever be able to understand them. So they've sent the squirrels to try to tell us what the trees are trying to tell us. But we're not doing so well at that one either.